sometimes take it for granted. We got the word from the one who was in heaven for all eternity. Then he came to this place. The devil did the worst he could do to him. And now he lives to talk about it. And he's back at the right hand of the Father. So we got a word. Can I get an amen? So open with me in your Bibles. We're going to be going to a number of different texts this morning. It's a little bit topical, but we will be dealing with a few texts in particular. We're going to start with 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. First few verses of that. Probably going to read to... I will read the first 11 verses, but we're only going to deal with the first few. Let's stand together for the reading, if we're able, of God's holy, authoritative Word. Hear God's Word to you this very morning, this beautiful morning. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel... You are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. We're going to end it there. Thus ends the reading. God's holy and errant word. May bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. You may be seated. We're going to pray again. Let's pray. Father, please help us with focus. Our minds wander easy to get distracted and yet here we have the message that is of first most importance in front of us this morning God we do pray that you would give us the eyes that see clearly that you would open our ears so that we would be among those who have ears to hear because we know so many it falls on deaf ears we are dependent upon you and your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and Lord, as the speaker, I, I, I beg you humbly that you would help me and enable me through the unction of the Holy Spirit to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If you would so help me. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Isaiah 53, the prophet says this, verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. We all, hear that, brothers and sisters, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to His own way. And in the best news of the universe... And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the gospel. 
That is the whole kit and caboodle. That is the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. And what good news it is. We have to come to terms with, and we all have here, if we know Christ, we all have to come to terms with the fact that we have all gone astray like lost sheep. Each of us, and notice the text says, we went our own way. But the Lord has placed on him, that is the Lord Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, the sin of us all. That means, if we step back for a moment and think about this a little more deeply, that means that those of us who despaired of any true meaning in life, any true satisfaction and fulfillment that we could possibly have, so we turn to immorality, we turn to alcohol, we turn to drugs, we turn to all kinds of other forms of escaping our responsibilities. We all went astray. That means that those of us who try to live a good life on our own without God, you know, those people who are proud of their own accomplishments, of their own goodness, of their own abilities. You meet them every day too, don't forget. That means those folks too are lost because they try to do everything without God in defiance. They imagine that the work, their own works could make up for their utter failure to love God and to love their neighbor consistently. The old saying goes, at the cross, John the Baptist and Mary Magdalene are on equal ground. The great prophet and the great sinner, both are on their face, receiving the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring. So the Apostle Paul said this, one of my favorite verses in all scripture is Galatians 2.20. I've quoted it probably a billion times, <laughs> a little exaggeration, but many times here in this church. But I have not necessarily quoted the next verse, which is just as important. This is what Paul says. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. That's not hyperbole. What I just said earlier was hyperbole. I don't, think, I don't know if I've done anything a million times. But this is not hyperbole. You know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's not good news. Let me tell you why it's good, not good news. Because you can't do it. Now, I, I was trying to think of an illustration just driving here this morning. And I thought, okay, if you were in a, a pit of 100 feet deep... And I yelled down to you, I got some good news. You said, oh, what's that? All you got to do is jump. Would you be like, bless your soul? Or would you be like, if I do get out of here, I'm killing you. See, that's all the law can do. It can tell us what we need to do. But it can't empower us to do it. You know, we often ask folks, what is the good news? And, you know, when we have teams here and stuff and people come up with all kind of interesting things. But we just read very clearly stated what the good news is. It's that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. And then on the third day, he rose, according to the scriptures. That's the good news. Now I started, I mentioned Isaiah 53 because Paul says, according to the scriptures. Well, Isaiah 53 is one of those scriptures. He's pointing to. 
So we were included in Christ by grace when we believed the gospel. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 1. You can go look it up later if you want. That's how, now listen, there's a reason I'm telling you all this stuff. That's how we began our Christian journey. That's how we were placed on the straight and narrow road. And that's how we are headed to that, that narrow gate that leads to eternal life. It was through the gospel. Very clearly. We turn from our sins in the power of the Holy Spirit and we trust in what Jesus did, not what we could do. We receive the free gift of forgiveness of sins and Jesus is, listen, this is what people don't get. Not only did Jesus pay for our sins and take our sin upon himself, there's another wonderful thing that happens in the gospel. Listen to me. If you're falling asleep, wake up. This is super important. God gives us Jesus' righteousness and it's placed to our account. Can't miss that. Because on judgment day, God requires perfection. And I'm thankful that my only hope is that when he looks at me, I'm going to have the robe that says Jesus. And he's going to go, oh, you're my son. Next. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Romans 4, verse 5. However, now listen to this. Let this wash you a little bit this morning. However, to the man who does not work. Are, we, are you tracking with me here? He does not work, but trusts God who justifies. Now listen to this. This is humbling. Who justifies the wicked. His faith is credited in his righteousness. You know, we walk around the city, we see certain neighborhoods, we see certain blocks, and we should be praying for them. But do we realize we're just as wicked? You know, I shake my head, but do I believe that deep in my heart? Because here's the thing. The only kind of people Jesus uh, justifies are the wicked. Whoa. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To repentance. <laughs> you know, there's, there's the Blue Grotto. It's beautiful. It's in southern Italy. There's a few of them, so I'll get mixed up which one. But there's one in Capri, I believe, where the only way in is you got to lay flat on the boat in the boat like this so that you can get in. That's the gospel. The only way in is to be like a child and say, Yes, Lord. I agree with you. I'm a sinner. I've gone astray. Have mercy. And here's the incredible thing. When we stop trying to make up for our own sins, but instead we trust in Jesus and His death in our place, that's when we get the free gift of righteousness. God's righteousness, Paul refers to it as. Come on, we sing about it, and I just don't know that we always get it. Nothing can for sin atone. What? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Naught of good that I have done. You with me, church? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then this, this, this little stanza here. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know is nothing but the blood of Jesus. I don't know what other founts you know, but that's the only one I got. 
That's what we're singing. You can go to those broken cisterns. It's all a mirage. This is the real deal. So we begin the Christian life. We, entered in, we enter into a restored relationship with God through faith in the gospel that is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection on our behalf. So we read earlier, he was pierced for our transgressions. There's a substitution right there. Now here's the thing. I'm almost done with the first point. You know you were, I was on my first point, did you? But you'll see. When we, return, when we repent, that is when we, we turn from not only particular sins like lying, lusting after someone other than our spouse, stealing, hating others, loving other things more than God. But we also repent of something else. We repent of trying to pay the debt that we owe in our own strength and by our own works. I'll never forget that example of uh, someone, I think it was Chuck Swindoll when I was first saved to heard a sermon on this. But he was saying, uh, someone was saying, that's too cheap. Salvation is too cheap. It doesn't cost anything. And then he gave this illustration. He said, yeah, well, there was a man who once had this beautiful pearl like no other. And someone had done this great thing for him, so he wanted to show his appreciation, so he gave the man the pearl. The man said, I can't accept that. I can't accept that. I didn't work for it. It's free. And he went to give it back. And he said, no, you don't understand. My son died to get that pearl. You get it? It's not cheap because it costs Jesus everything. It's free, but it ain't cheap. Paul puts it this way in uh, Philippians 3.9. I consider all the works that he had done, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. See, I'm going somewhere with this. I, I, you probably knew that. A proud Christian is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. How can we be proud of something we didn't earn ourselves? Right? I mean, when you see self-righteous prigs, it's quite shocking. And then sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. Someone points it out and we're like, that's why we sang earlier, Jesus opened my eyes so blind. When we brag as Christians, we brag about one thing. We boast in the cross. Which Paul says, which I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. One time, this gentleman, D.M. Stearns, was preaching in Philadelphia, not too far from us. I like when I find illustrations of kind of close, local. The close of the service, a stranger came up to him and said, he said this to him, I like this. I don't like the way you spoke about the cross. I think that instead of emphasizing the death of Christ, it would be far better to preach Jesus the teacher and example. Stearns replied, if I presented Christ in that way, would you be willing to follow him? The man said, I certainly would. All right then, said the preacher, let's take the first step. He did no sin. Can you do that? The man looked confused and what surprised and said, well, no. He said, I acknowledge that I do sin. 
And Stearns replied, then your greatest need is a Savior, not an example. Amen? I hope for many of us, if not all of us, I haven't said anything new, but it is true. And that's what matters in this world of ours that's filled with lies. That we have the truth of the gospel. Gospel doesn't promise a mansion here. Doesn't promise a trouble-free life here. Doesn't promise a Mercedes. But it does promise a right relationship with God that no money can buy. So I this morning I want to remind us all that the gospel of Jesus is the the way, the only way to begin the Christian life. And my second and last and only, po only point left is that it's not only the on-ramp to the Christian life, but it's also the only way to progress in the Christian life, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. Shock and surprise, it's to what? Go back to the gospel and go deeper. Pastor Tim Keller likes to put it this way. He says, the gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian life. It's the A to Z of the Christian life. See? In other words, we don't begin with the good news of Jesus and then advance to some deeper mystical theology that only a few elite can know. The gospel is the very thing that enables us to become more and more like Jesus. That's the point. The one who loved us and gave himself for us. It's through the gospel that we begin to look like him more and more every day. We don't get saved by grace and in the gospel and then think the law is going to do the job for us. Speaking of Tim Keller, he puts it this way. I like the way he puts it. Only as the gospel is applied more and more deeply and radically. Only as we think out all of its truth does it begin to bear fruit and grow. So the key to, a, to continual and deeper spiritual renewal and revival is the continual rediscovery of the gospel. Now listen to him here. We'll let that pass because I want you to hear this. All our problems come from a failure to apply the gospel. This is true for a community or and an individual. Now I'm just going to spend the rest of our time giving a couple examples of this so we can kind of flesh this out. I'll give you a few examples to start and then you can go sky's the limit in applying. First thing the gospel does besides reconcile us to God, who else does it reconcile us to? Each other. That's the key that you know the real Jesus. You can't know him and not be changed. The gospel restores our broken relationships with one another. How does it do that? Let me give you one example. It enables us to forgive others who sin against us the way God forgave us who sinned against him. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Now let me just stop there. That sounds like jump out of that 100 feet pit, doesn't it? Right? But here's the engine that's going to help you get out. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's the power we have. We've experienced the grace and the power of the gospel in our own lives. 
How did God forgive you in Christ? I want you to think about that for a moment. I'm going to tell you a story that um, always touches me. The story is told of a son who left home to live a life of sin. Kind of like the prodigal son, right? He went his own way, lived a life of debauchery, dragging his family name in the mud for quite some time. And after a number of years, his sinful lifestyle, as often happens, caught up with him. And he was tired of his life of sin. And he missed his family. And he began to realize what a deadly mistake he made. So he made a phone call home. There was no answer. There was no answer. So he left a voicemail. And he left this message on the voicemail. Listen. Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I know I've hurt you and I made a mess of my life. I also know you don't owe me a thing. But I want to come home. If I'm welcome home, please just hang a white cloth out on the porch. If I don't see one, I'll respect your wishes. And I'll go my way. And as the man approached his old home, he couldn't believe his eyes. White sheets were hanging from the front porch. The trees, out the windows... We know for a fact that's how God forgives us. He just says, welcome home. Think about the prodigal son. The shocking thing about that parable for me, the father ran. Where's the dignity in that? He left all dignity. Wrapped his arms around his son. Kissed him. Now we are people who have come home and we've been welcomed with sheets. We have the power to forgive others who hurt us because we know what it's like to owe such a huge debt and to have it completely wiped out. C.J. Mahaney once wrote this. When I become bitter or unforgiving toward others, I'm assuming that the sins of others are more serious than my sins against God. That's a bad assumption. The cross transforms my perspective. Through the cross, I realize that no sin against me will ever be as serious as the innumerable sins I've committed against God. When we understand how much God has forgiven us, it's not difficult to forgive others. Isn't that the problem? Somebody sins against us and we magnify it to this size. And we get it in our craw and we just can't get it out. Because we say, but it's inexcusable. Well, C.S. Lewis reminds us. God forgave us when our sin was inexcusable. And that's what forgiveness is, isn't it? Forgiving the inexcusable. I obviously don't have time this morning, in the time that remains, to explain how the gospel addresses all of our sins and difficulties that we face as Christian pilgrims on the journey from this world or the world to come. But I do want to say this. Whether it's growing in sexual purity. Man, our culture needs to be listening to that. Amen. Whether it's growing in devotion to God. How many times we're filled with idolatry. Whether it's growing in our love for others. The answer is not to try harder. It'd be try to be more righteous. 
Because that's called banging your head against the wall. But it's also not simply giving up. Right? Since we can't do it perfectly, then let's just give up. That's not an answer either. Not according to the Word of God. The answer is, surprise, surprise, keep believing the good news of Jesus and allow it to change your heart, your attitude, your thinking, and let it permeate every aspect of your life. Now look, how did you begin the Christian life? You acknowledged your sin and your inability and you trusted in Christ's mercy that was shown to you on the cross. So when we sin, when we fall as believers, what are we to do about it? That's the question. We're to continue on the same road we started down in Christ. Confess, turn, and trust. Confess, turn, and trust. And that fresh application of the gospel, listen, here's the thing I'm getting at. That fresh application of the gospel makes us easier to live with. You get that? We can be merciful knowing that we've received incredible mercy in Jesus. How can we not be merciful? We can extend grace knowing that we've been humble recipients of His unmerited favor in Christ. How could you not give it away when you got it for free? We can love more freely, listen to me, even more extravagantly having experienced and continue to experience the everlasting, listen to this, relentless, persistent, extravagant love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every day we experience it if we're believers. Freely, what did Jesus say? You have received. Freely, give it away. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was in a concentration camp during a Hitler's ugly reign. And he wrote this, Anybody who has once been horrified by the dreadfulness of his own sin that nailed Jesus to the cross will no longer be horrified by even the rankest sins of a brother. Looking at the cross of Jesus, he knows the human heart. He knows how utterly lost it is in sin and weakness, how it goes astray in the ways of sin. And he also knows that it is accepted in grace and mercy. Only the brother under the cross can hear a confession. You get that? You know, like in 1 John, confess your sins to one another. You know, believe me, as pastors, Pastor Pete and I hear all kinds of things. And that's, we constantly have to go back to this. My heart is an idol-making factory, as John Calvin says. So I rely on the same grace that I'm ministering to others. But so do you. So a constant feeding on and applying of the gospel of God's grace in Christ will develop in us something very important. A posture of humility toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. A demeanor of gentleness, kindness, and compassion even toward the rankest of sinners. And especially toward one another in the body of Christ. What did Paul say? I am the worst of sinners. You ever rationalize and say, well, that person should know better. How long have they been a Christian? 
then we remember when we recently just asked God for mercy for falling into that same old sin once again. And from wandering away from fellowship with Him and His church, we ask ourselves, didn't we know better? The psalmist prays, Lord, keep me from willful sins. Because he knows that's what he's prone to. Last verse of Psalm 119 after saying, how great the law of God is. I love you. I serve you. I love your law. You know what the last verse says? Seek your servant for he is, I am lost like a lost sheep. I've strayed like a lost sheep. When you came to God for forgiveness that last time, was God's answer, sorry, you should have known better? I can honestly say I've never heard that from Jesus. But I'll tell you what I have heard. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just and I will forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. We just heard it today. I come to a close. This, this is where the rubber meets the road relationally. You need to be more patient with others. Where are you going to find the power and motivation to be more patient? Let's hear it. The gospel. Need to love your brothers and sisters in Christ more deeply, more consistently. Where can you find help with that? The gospel. That's right. Feeling guilty about not witnessing enough or serving the poor? Where are you going to find help for that? Nagging. Oh, sorry. No, the gospel. Listen, guilt will only get you moving for a hot minute. Because as soon as that's over, you're back to your old self. It's not a permanent change. I feel guilty about not witnessing, so I force myself to witness for a little bit. But then I'm back to default. No, I have to fan the fire. I have to go by the fire of the gospel, warm my hands, warm my heart, so that I can't help but tell other people about the good news of Jesus. It's going to come natural. I can't help but love the poor. Because God has helped this poor soul in the gospel. That's the engine that drives us to love as we've been loved. I'm going to close with the gospel as we start. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Hear the good news, church, because it's not just for those out there. It's for us in the church. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray. Father God, this is our only hope. It's what drew us to you. It's what saved our souls. It's what put us on the narrow road and keeps putting us back on when we trip and when we wander. Lord, we worry sometimes we're going to make it to the end of that celestial city. But thank you for reminding us it wasn't us that got us on the road. And it's not going to be us that gets us home. It's going to be your grace found in the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we, you have taken all of our sin in whole and have placed it on Jesus so we bear it no more. Because of that, Lord, help us to bear one another's burdens with the joy of the gospel in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.